0: Today on the Know Your Gear podcast, we're gonna be hanging out with John Petrucci from the band Dream Theater, and he's gonna be showing us how he's as much a gear enthusiast and developer as he is an amazing musician. Before we start today's show, I just want to thank every single one of you who have clicked the subscribe button because you made videos like this possible. You are one of the unique players that created your own guitar. You know, signature guitars aren't a new thing, but like starting from scratch, not taking a template from an already existing manufactured instrument and then going, okay, yeah, this color, add this, this knob. I actually did this on purpose, you know, I actually put these behind me today. This is the, of course, a Parker and a Dana Scoop, which is from 90s. These are two guitars they don't make anymore. Right. And, and the reason why I, I brought these out was when you made The Majesty, you took a risk because guitar players are notorious for no change. <laughs> yeah nothing new. Just give me what I already know.
1: I discovered fairly uh, early on uh, in my career that I was really into gear development. Like I had all these opinions about how stuff should be. Right. Um, You know, some people just play guitar and they don't think about it too much. I don't think, you know, this feels cool, but I always, I'm always questioning, like, why does this have to be here? Why is this thing sharp? How come I can't get to this? You know, it's like when you're driving a car and you're like, why can't I reach the volume country, (laughs) you know, whatever. (laughs) Like I always have these, all these ergonomic things in in my, in my mind. So when I connected with Ernie ball music, man, um, 20 years ago, we're celebrating 20 year, you know, 20 year anniversary.
0: Congratulations. That's a big deal.
1: That's a huge deal. Um, I, I discovered that I was working with, you know, with Sterling ball and his family, uh, people who were totally into exploring, and solving all those issues and problems that the artists in this case being me would present they were up for the challenge I mean, up to the this most minute details. Um, so, when it came to developing the majesty after we had already done a signature instrument, six, six string seven string um, baritone. Um, a lot of the design details were worked out already and carried over to the majesty all the things that I just talked about ergonomics um, positioning of knobs materials the tactile tactile things what I was aiming to do is not really reinvent the stuff we had already worked really hard on but to now take the guitar to the next level by doing our first neck through version and so I didn't want to just do a neck through version of what we already did I had this whole idea of making this guitar that was just like you know, it's like driving a race car. It just had everything about it, it was so easy to play. You know, it was light. It, it, uh, the curves and contours just got out of your way. The neck was incredibly easy to play and thin and had this great action. But the guitar also sounded like a mountain, you know, it just had a big, big sound. And so we went about, you know, designing this to do all those things. It just turned out to be such a wonderful instrument, you know, such a magical instrument and people actually got into their hands. And now we're in a position where these signature guitars are the highest selling signature guitar only behind a Les Paul, right. um, which is like mind blowing to me, blows my mind.
0: What blows my mind is that you guys took the risk, right? The result makes sense to me, right? Although we all inherently just love old things right? yeah old, old Marshalls, old les pauls i mean what's yeah, not the sure. like right right the, there's so many problems and i i like i said i repair guitars for a living so you're constantly just fixing problems for players exactly right yeah,
1: yeah.
0: so so when you see somebody like like you not only what you play is very technical you're the only guitar player
1: Right so, right. so it
0: seemed to me when I first saw it, the first thing that started making sense was everything looked like efficiency. Looks like you, were trying, yeah, yeah, you were trying to be efficient because I'm sure you don't have time, you know, <laughs> while someone else, yeah. is playing, you know, my,
1: you're the, totally right. My perspective <laughs> is performance based. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have this thing in battle. Like, I don't want to be fumbling for my knife. Like when I need it, <laughs> like, <laughs> I want it to be right there. So a lot of these decisions, these innovations come from that, you know, like you play a guitar and you're playing live and your hands are sweaty and then you go to use the volume control and it's it's like, well, we'll put these rubber rings around them and you won't have that problem. Like just solving problems that are not, it's not rocket science. They're just like normal things. It's like, how come nobody ever did this? You know, why when I play this guitar, i rest my hand on the bridge to mute the strings, you know, like most rock guitar players do to keep it quiet. Why should that be sharp and like dig into my hand? Why can't that be rounded and smooth and there not be any nuts or screws showing there? Like that's just simple fixes to normal problems, you know?
0: I remember the NAMM show when you guys debuted it, I had the same reaction everybody had. I was like, oh, that, yeah. is, that is different.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> somebody thought it was downright ugly i mean a lot of people thought it was downright ugly but it's it just it's when you see things that are different you know uh it kind of shocks you for the first time and now thankfully everybody has kind of seen its beauty but you know there's two things there one of them is you have the spirit of the all uh, the all the people at ernie ball music man And their mentality when creating signature instruments with me or any of their artists is they're not thinking about the sales part. Like, yes, obviously they're a company and selling guitars is great, but when developing a signature guitar, the question never like, will this sell? Like, you know, are people (laughs) not gonna like this little? It's like, no, as Sterling said, they make tools for artists. You make it according to that person's, you know, Uh, desires and then you put it out there and it's very similar to making music you know you make music for art and it's an expression of of you uh you know as as a creative person and if you start to get too tied up or caught up into are people gonna like this or that does it sound too much like this then you're not being true to it you know the second part of it is that you know the best advertising for stuff like this is to actually hear it and see it in action and i always said just listen to dream theater albums and come see a show (laughs) like that's you want to hear what this guitar sounds like listen to this album you want to hear what this amp sounds like it's on this album and here it is live it's the exact same stuff so there's nothing better than believing in what you do as a signature artist and then you know, embracing that and following that through with your work because it's all genuine. You know, I use the stuff that I love and I've been fortunate enough to develop gear with companies who make the stuff that I love. So it's all genuine. It's not like we develop something and then, oh, live, I'm using something else. And, you know, here's the guitar, but I didn't really play it on the album. I use this. No, this is the guitar. You want to hear what it sounds like? Get the new Dream Theater album. Um, And then if you're lucky enough, you can start to have an association with the fact that what you put your name on and the people that you choose to work with forms a partnership where it now has credibility, credibility. so people can say if i'm doing something and i put my name on it they they could know that it's going to be something really great you know what i mean like there's oh, yeah. there's that association whether they ultimately like it or not who knows everybody has their own you know well, opinion on things but there's a there's a connection and i have always modeled that off of like whatever walt disney like you know if disney does something they're going to do it right you know what i mean they're just going to do it right so it's right. like whenever i do something you know i'm going to do it right so you know that connection between my name and the company and the gear is something that's so precious if you could develop it in that way.
0: When you did the prototyping, did you guys do clay molds? I mean, how did you, or did they just no. keep making one wooden yeah. one Oh my God. <laughs> I know they
1: kept making so many prototypes. It's insane. And like with, not with the, uh, the majesty, because we didn't want to reveal the shape, but with previous versions, you know, if we changed little things about the guitar, And I got a prototype, I would play it live to test it out. Like nobody would really notice. Maybe some people would notice. (laughs) They're really watching carefully. Um, I I would try it live to see if it was something that I was, again, it's all performance-based, see if I'm actually going to like it. So yeah, they constantly build guitars. Crazy. The switches,
0: the way they're recessed. Oh I mean, yeah. Just everything about, like you, like you said, it's, I guess the word would be like congruent, right? It walks the walk, right. it talks the talk. Like the yes. first time I saw the guitar, all I could see was all the massive expense it took probably <laughs> not only to design it, but all those cuts and, and oh, all yeah. that, all that time car, even for CNC machines, the time those machines have to spend making all these ergonomic cuts. We're so used to guitar manufacturers. Going, well, if we do this, it's five minutes faster and we can get X amount more made this month.
1: No, they don't do that. Right. It's crazy. And you know, and with these guitars, because of the shape and the contours and the neck through, part of their process is robotic, part of it is by hand. So that combination is so cool. And so those guitars have so much care put into it. um, that you know when you get one, you open the case, you're gonna be like, this is an incredible. Instrument. You're gonna you know that's gonna happen.
0: So now with the new album, you made an Mm -hmm. eight string. I have to tell you on a personal note, when I was listening to the new album, when I heard the song Awake the Monster, I had the same feeling that I did in 1994 when I heard Awake. Oh, nice because the first time I heard Awake, it was in a car, you know, with a good stereo, and that chugging seven string came out. You know what I mean? It just
1: yeah,
0: it just felt so intense. Yeah. When I was listening to that, um, that was the first. I don't know if what other songs you use it, but obviously I could tell in that song that was the eight string.
1: Yes. That's and, the only song I use the guitar on. Oh, um, it sounds great. Thank you. And it's actually great that you you experience that way because I've said this before with the eight string that I never played an eight string before. I, I didn't, I didn't own, I don't own another eight string. So it's not like I had all this experience and then I wanted to build one. It was kind of like that seems really interesting. I want to explore that and that's exactly the same thing that i did with the awake album i never played seven string before i was only a six string player i saw that steve Vai played seven string sounded cool we were in (laughs) writing writing the awake album and i was with ibanez at the time and they sent me a vi you know gem universe seven and we started writing and we wrote you know the mirror lie caught in a web all that eight strings seven string stuff that was my first introduction to the seven so your reaction to it was my introduction to it so now fast forward to this album the same exact thing the first time I ever played an eight string got an eight string was the prototype that I used to write and record that song and so you know it's not like I had all this experience or played eight before I had no idea it's like I just want to explore it and then got it started writing on it, and we recorded that song. So that's really cool that you brought that up as an example.
0: With the 8-string, it's a hardtail, it's fan fret, yeah. so it's multi-scale. Now that you've experienced, not the 8-string so much, but that fan fret system, any thought so far put into, like, maybe we need to put that down the line?
1: No, I don't think so. I think it works, It you know, I, for obvious reasons, it works on the 8 because of the multiple scale lengths needed. But on a 6, I'm perfectly comfortable with the standard Right. Yeah, I don't think I would do like a fan thing on that. Um, But it definitely works on the eight and it's it's necessary. It's what's going to make it really sound right. I mean, you know, they they got it right. We did research on how to do this and where the fan should start and which fret it should start out and where it should start to go. And, uh, you know, we did a lot of research because, again, you know, not only had I not played an eight string guitar, so we're designing a, a majesty eight string based on nothing based on like research, but they had also not built one before. So they're oh, building. Wow. Yeah. They're building their first eight string. So we, we made sure we talked to a lot of people, eight string players, you know, went online, did research. Oh, what's what scale length should they, should it be fan should you fixed bridge? You know, where should the fan start? What about the width? What's the typical thing got all this information and then started designing from there. So we knew we were making the right decisions. And ultimately we did at the end, in the end,
0: there's a lot of different wood combinations in this guitar. And I was wondering if you could kind of explain, is it a aesthetic or is it a sound preference? What's go What's going on there?
1: We used to do the majesties. uh, We used to name them by a series. Like we had like our precious metal series and we had our monarchy series and, uh, you know that was based on the color combinations, but now we just call it Majesty, so it encompasses everything. Right. But it's it's sometimes hard to like remember what some of those tone wood combinations were. So I always like to double check, look on the specs, and obviously, you know, the guitars that maybe the colors are discontinued, right? You'd have to look at the specs on Sweetwater.
0: And since the technology is here, let's see. I should be able to share with you right now. Can you see that? I can. So oh, here's beautiful. There's this one in kinetic blue, which is the yeah. flip flop color. And then what's this one called? Pacific blue. Pacific blue sparkle. Okay. Can you even remember all these colors? You have like I 500 mean, colors. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I name
1: most of them, I've na- almost named all of them. So
0: this is the red sunrise. Gotcha. Um, this one is six pounds, 14 ounces. So just under seven pounds. When you pick them out for yourself, mm-hmm. right? Because they ra- they range. On the ones I was showing you from Sweetwater, there was one that was eight pounds and one that was six and a half. That's a yeah. you know, pound and a half difference to a half pound difference. You know, this is a variance of wood. Yeah. Do you find, do you have a preference for that? Like top heaviness, tone wise?
1: The, the Majesties are all light relatively compared to, a Les Paul or a guitar like that I mean whether it's six pounds or eight pounds that feels really light on your on your back to me it's more about the wood on the Majesties the the headstock neck and the middle where the pickups and bridge are all mounted in is one piece of mahogany that's where the whole tone is coming from the guitars that are a little bit more complex where you know think of them as like I don't know if you drink wine but like you know big oaky cabernets sure like the ones that are where they have like the uh, mahogany sides, the mahogany neck, and then the maple top just have like a a richer sound to them. So you know so- if you're into that, they have a more complex sound to them. They're bolder. The basswood guitars sound amazing. and it, it they're they're very tight on the low end, and they're like amazing for rock and metal. like p- picture you were talking about Ivan as like all oh, those old guitars were basically basswood. A right. lot of those, you know, some, some of the ones that, that I do will use will do like alder right. with a maple top and the mahogany. So that's like three different woods. Just to give an example, we did a few years ago, the anniversary of images and words. I think I used the kinetic because that was a, I used to use a basswood guitar and like it kind of had that vibe.
0: I reviewed you know? your amp. Nice. Since I got the opportunity to do that, what I learned, which was great, was this amp can't do anything your amp can do. But right. at really quiet volumes, it's hard to tell those two amps apart. You know what right, I mean? So right. for, for practice play, that's why I said I think this is the best practice amp probably ever. It's an, I, It's one of my favorites. I love it. Totally love it. The, the technology in that amp, how they cram that reverb tank by putting it upside down and getting yeah. all that stuff in that little amp. After I got it, I thought yeah. I'd, you know, figure it out because, you know, boogies take a little time to finesse. Yeah. And uh, I was in love. And then I saw that video where you you decided to take the clean channel and just, you know, run that as hard as can be.
1: We were doing some work on my signature amp, and they—they uh, they had just built that—that that little mini. And uh, I was at it was in the the uh, factory in Randy's workstation. He's like, "Oh, you check this thing out!" We plugged it into a four-four by twelve. I'm like, "Oh my god, this is." unbelievable this little tiny thing
0: when i heard that i was like oh crap i hadn't tried that so i ran over to it nice started driving the clean chip and and then i was like oh maybe i need two of these
1: right right exactly <laughs> you always need two you always need two that's yeah. that's my motto
0: obviously i want to tell the audience definitely check out the new album a view from the top of the world yeah it's a long
1: title it's a mouthful it's a mouthful
0: thank you john so much for joining us today my uh, pleasure
1: was, thank you all right take all care. Right. care bye-bye